During Lent this year, we are going to take some time uh, together to, to talk about how we can unplug, how we can seek Jesus in an increasingly hurried and busy and chaotic world. And we're going to do that in a, in a couple different ways. Here on, on Sunday mornings, uh, we'll be talking about a practice or a discipline uh, that we would associate with unplugging, that we would associate from uh, kind of during a, a Lenten practice. And I'm going to encourage you to actually do something during the week. To actually do something during the week. And then on Wednesdays, as Portia mentioned earlier, we're going we're to get together and we're going to practice that, that discipline together or we're going to talk about that discipline in one way, shape, or form or we're going to get together and say, wow, that was really hard. Pastor Dave's crazy. Why did he ask us to do that? Uh, and we're going to lament together. Hopefully it's not that hard. We can wake up. We're good. We're good. We're, we're going we're gonna to spend some time during Lent really just kind of diving into what does it look like to focus on Jesus in a crazy, busy world. And we're going to have six different focuses. Six weeks, six different focuses. Um, or six different disciplines. If you want to write them down, you're welcome to do. If you want to pull out your phone and take a picture of them, you're welcome to do that as well. We're also going to be sending them out via email um, later uh, this week as well. Now, usually when we think about Lent, we, we think rightly about the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness before beginning his earthly ministry. Uh, this past Wednesday, we had our, our Ash Wednesday service, and Pastor Darrell mentioned that the, the season of Lent really made its way into the church calendar um, uh, at some point after the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, uh, when a common date for Easter was set. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all mention Jesus being led out into the wilderness by the Spirit for 40 days and, and 40 nights. And it's a journey that, that, that has similarities to Noah's in the storm, to Moses' trip up Mount Sinai, to Elijah on Mount Horeb. And whether the wilderness is a, a barren desert, a daunting mountain, a stormy sea, Scripture is full of examples of Jesus showing up, or God showing up in the wilderness. And more often than not, the way that God shows up is, per, is by providing for the people for whom he loves. So after Jesus is, is tempted by the devil to take a shortcut along his journey... By turning stones into bread or, or by showing his power prematurely, we're told that his father provides by sending angels to take care of every need that he had. Our first passage this morning captured another picture of God providing in the wilderness. Elijah, he had, he had just, right before what we had read earlier, he had just provided or prophesied against King Ahab, saying that there was going to be a drought in the land because of the idolatry that Ahab was, was kind of pushing in, in, in the land. And, and Elijah heads east. He heads east to a ravine along the Jordan River where, where ravens brought him food. And, and I, I've never been able to read this passage without picturing the black birds that we have in our neighborhoods. Right? Anybody know those blackbirds? So imagine them just bringing In-N-Out burgers to you. 
And then God provides again in Zarephath, this time through a, a widow who's suffering through that drought and, and her son who is dying. When Elijah asks her for something to eat or to drink, she replies, look, I'm doing the best that I can considering all these circumstances. I'm doing the best that I can to provide for my son, but, but things are running out. It's really barren here. And now you want me to give you something to eat? We're, we're ready to die ourselves. And so God provides this miracle jar and this miracle jug. They just continue to replenish with flour and oil. And as we step into Lent, I'd encourage us to remember that even though this season is intended to, to be a season that makes us feel intentionally uncomfortable, it's a chance to remember that God is with us at all times. Even in those seasons that feel dire, where we have nothing left in the tank. Our second passage this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, and it's not necessarily a passage we, we think of during Lent. We read this. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. I always thought that was kind of funny. Make sure you got shoes on, but only take one shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now when I think of this passage and the Lenten journey... And reflecting on, on Jesus' instructions here as he sends out the disciples, I can't help but remember my first time into the wilderness. Or, or what I perceived to be the wilderness when I was nine years old. It was the summer between third and fourth grade, and I was on my way to sleepaway camp for the first time. We were going up to Forest Home, uh, where our high school kids were just a couple weeks ago. But unlike Jesus with his disciples, my mom made sure that I had more than enough. My mom made sure that I had enough for two weeks, even though I was only going to be at camp for five days. Any mom's been there. And yet, even though my bag was packed to the brim, I wore the same pair of purple swim trunks all week long. So that when I was picked up on Friday after being at camp for five days, they were no longer purple. They were a nice light brown. Take nothing with you. Or just leave it all in the bag. Just leave it, leave it all in the bag because God provides. 
One of the reasons we're calling our Lenten series Unplug is because we live in a world where our bags are full. Our schedules are packed. And our attention is pulled in all kinds of directions. And I think we would all, every single one of us, would benefit from some time where we set it down, where we leave it behind. Now, I've always struggled with giving up something for Lent. And, and that struggle is either because I think of something way too big, like I, I, I go into Lent and I say, you know what, this is the year. This is the year that I'm going to give up coffee, which is a terrible idea. A terrible idea for me and a terrible idea for anybody around me. Now, it might be okay for you, but, but a terrible idea for me. Headaches, mood swings, oh, awful. So I go into thinking something big, like I'm going to give up something like coffee. Or, on the other hand, it's something ridiculously small. I'll avoid a vegetable. You know what, for Lent this year, I'm giving up Broccoli. And every time, every time I feel that hankering for some broccoli, I'm going to think of Jesus. That's my plan. That's my plan for Lent this year. Anyone else in that same camp? It's either way too big or you're just like, yeah, I'll give up cauliflower. It's one of those two things. We're breaking Lent into six different parts this week, those, those six different weeks this year, because we should be journeying through Lent one step at a time. It doesn't have to be hugely scary coffee. And it doesn't have to be something that is so menial that we never think about it. The point of Lent is to draw us into a deeper relationship with God. That's the point of it. And we're taking this approach because while we know God meets people in the wilderness, we just can't snap our fingers and all of a sudden be there. We have to be intentional. So this week we're looking at sacrifice and how God's provision is experienced when we make a conscious and intentional decision to give something up. Our passage in Mark reminds us that God provides for us in the midst of all that we experience in our, in our frustration and in our rejection in in our work and in our struggles And in our successes as well. Right before we get to the passage that we just read in Mark chapter 6, Jesus had been busy performing all kinds of miracles. He he calmed the sea. He cast out a, a demon. He healed a woman. He raised a young girl from the dead. He had done quite a bit by the time we get to this passage in Mark chapter 6. And he reached this place in ministry where, where he just, he couldn't operate under the radar anymore. People knew who he was. People sought him out. So it was pretty reasonable for him to think, you know what? I'm tired I'm tired. I'm going to go home now. It's a, when I thought of this, this passage, you all seen Forrest Gump, right? And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus, he's, he looks like Jesus when he's running. Um, Forrest starts running. He's got a short beard and he gets going and going and going and his beard gets longer and longer and longer. You know that part that I'm talking about? And he says, I'm tired. I think I'll go home now. Jesus was tired. He was tired. And he says, you know what? It's time to go home. 
Now, we don't know what he expected necessarily to find. I, I don't think he necessarily thought he'd be welcomed as a hero. But anyone who's been away from their home for a while knows what it's like to come home and, and to just kind of find that, ah, that, that rest, whether it's two or three days or a year, to come home and say, oh, gosh, I'm here. And I think that that's why Jesus went home, but, but he didn't find that rest when he got there. Again, he'd been away from Nazareth for, for a little over a year, and he was a different person when he returned than when he left. In many ways, he was the guy who put the, the sleepy village of Nazareth on the map. When he gets back to town, he heads to church, because that's what you're supposed to do on Sabbath. And as he preaches, the people who knew him, the people who knew him before he left, they were amazed. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, what they heard about what he was doing while he was gone was true. They ask, wait, isn't this just Mary and Joseph's boy? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? The carpenter's son, isn't that who he is? It's at this point that I imagine that Jesus began to experience a, a sense of frustration. And not because of the fact that questions were being asked. It was the attitude that those questions came with. It wasn't the questions it wasn't that we, we know we just got done talking about over the last six, seven weeks of the, uh, the beginning of the year that Jesus was fine with questions. Jesus invited questions. But we get the sense here with these questions. Isn't that just the carpenter's boy? That there's an attitude with these questions. Now, we can't really know the tone that they came with. Um, but if our Bibles were, were translated with emojis, you all know what emojis are, right? text messages you have those emojis we, we could we, we, we could see this text being followed with a, a smirking face or or eyes being rolled i should have put it up on the screen a commentary i read put it this way these questions were rhetorical self-contained with the sneer of prejudice and the sting of unbelief It's not a stretch that Jesus anticipated one greeting and was welcomed with another. So he did what he could. And then, as a a frustrated prophet without honor, he moved on. Now my guess is that we've all been hurt at one point or another by someone we love or someone who we thought would welcome us in. And sometimes... The frustration that we experience in those moments is, is debilitating. It might be easy to think, well, you know what, that's Jesus. Jesus' situation is, is different because, again, he's Jesus. But this is, at least in my mind, one of the more relatable stories from Jesus' life. God provides for him by giving him the strength to keep going. To keep moving, even in the midst of frustration, even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of not being welcomed in his hometown. And sometimes, 
Sometimes God provides for us in the same way. By helping us to become more and more resilient as we face the inevitable challenges that life throws our way. God often provides by giving us the grace we need to simply put one foot in front of the other. Now Jesus, he responds to what happens in Nazareth by, by sending out his disciples. Uh, they, they go out in pairs, uh, two by two, from village to village. He sends them out as partners in ministry, and he gives them authority to do the work or to continue the work that he had been doing. He provides them with what they need. But he doesn't stop there. Right? He also tells them what they don't need. He gives them what they need, the authority to do the work, a partner to journey with. And he says, but hey, here's some things that you don't need. He provides them with a a list, a list of, of distractions or things that could be distractions, food, money, fancy shoes, clothes. He invites them to give it all up. And it's not because the things that he lists are, are bad unto themselves. It's because they have the potential to keep the disciples and the people they were serving from experiencing God's grace with one another. Over the past 20 plus years or so, I've been on staff with five different churches in a variety of capacities. And in each one of those churches, including Westminster, has seasons where we've fallen into what I like to refer to as the if we just had syndrome. If we just had. You all know what I'm talking about? It usually goes something like this. If we just had that new building. If we, if we just had more young people. Then we wouldn't have to worry about the future. If we just had that new building, then more people would show up. If we just had one or two people who could give a lot of money, then our whole budget would would be fine. If we just had. It's not anyone in particular's fault. It's it's human nature. Actually, I believe that that's human nature that extends beyond the church. Right? How many of you in your work life have ever heard that, if we just have? How many of you have ever experienced that in your own, your own personal life? If I just had. If I just had. Again, it's human nature. I'm convinced that the reason Jesus says, take nothing with you, has nothing to do with his desire for his followers to be hungry or to have nowhere to sleep. I don't, I don't think that's what he's saying. But I think it has everything to do with relying on God to provide through community. I had a professor in college, um, in my undergrad, who who took a vow of poverty. Took a vow of poverty. And even at 18 and 19 years old, I thought that was crazy. I thought it was crazy. It, It meant that no matter where he taught or how many books he wrote, how many he published... He kept his annual income $1,000 below the poverty line. That was his vow of poverty. That's taking Jesus' take nothing with you line to an extreme. And that's not what I'm asking you to do for Lent. That's not at all what I'm asking you to do for Lent. But I am asking us 
to make some sort of intentional sacrifice this week. It might be sacrificing a cup of coffee. Not coffee for the whole week. Remember what I said. But it might be sacrificing a cup of coffee and giving the money that you'd spend on that cup of coffee away. It might be sacrificing an hour that you'd normally spend watching television and checking in on a neighbor or picking up the phone and calling someone that you haven't talked to for some time. It might be sacrificing comfort or even a sense of security a bit. When I was going through the debate between broccoli and coffee, um, I landed on a place where for Lent this year, uh, I've decided to turn my phone off for three hours a day. To, to turn it, not just put it in, in airplane mode, but turn it completely off for three hours a day. And it took me about 20 minutes to realize, oh shoot, if the church needs me, they can't get a hold of me. If Haley needs me, she can't get, can't get a hold of me. If something happens to my parents, they can't get a hold of me. If something happens to my kids, they can't get a hold of me. It was a weird place to be, to get there in 20 minutes. To get there in, in, in 20 minutes. And it, it, it led me down this path of asking, do I trust God to provide for all of those things? Do I trust God to provide for this church? Do I trust God to take care of my wife and my kids and my parents for three hours a day? Do I? I went back to my phone so many times to try to turn it back on. As we make intentional sacrifices, however big or small they may be, we're invited to trust God. We're invited to remember that God provides. And, and that we have the opportunity to be a part of what God is doing by providing for others. In those three hours that my phone is off, I'm looking at the world and I'm not distracted. I'm seeing needs around me that are in, immediately in front of me that I can actually do something about. The disciples, they head out in pairs they're welcomed in some places and they're turned away in others. But when they gather back together, they share their success. Uh, a little later, uh, Luke tells the story of, of Jesus sending out the 72. It kind of mirrors what happens here with Jesus sending out the 12. And we're told that when the 72 return, they, they return with great joy. They, they, they return and it's a party that they celebrate. It's a reunion of sorts. Now, a few years ago here at Westminster, when we were talking about what it looks like uh, to be a community that, that uh, invites all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and service, we spent a lot of time articulating how that looks. Well, that, that's great, but what does it mean to follow Jesus? What, what, what does it mean? And we said, well, a part of following Jesus is, well, it's growing in faith each day. A part of following Jesus is, 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 is serving others. And we're going to aim to, to serve others monthly or as often as possible. A part of following Jesus' is gathering is, is a multi-generational community quarterly. So we're going to get together each quarter as a whole church family. And a part of following Jesus is celebrating in worship. 
We were really intentional when we, when we used that word celebrating in worship. Each and every Sunday, each and every Sunday that we get together is supposed to be a celebration. So on Ash Wednesday, Pastor Darrell mentioned that, that Lent isn't exactly 40 days. It's, it's 46 days. And those six days are Sundays. And someone came up to her out on the courtyard after church or after the service and said, Oh, we get, we get a Sunday off. We get a day off every week. And I wanted to turn around because I heard it happen in the corner and I didn't because I didn't want to be that weird pastor. I wanted to turn around and say, you don't get a day off. You get a day to party. Because that's what Sunday is supposed to be. Every single Sunday is a celebration. Every single Sunday is a celebration. It's a celebration of the resurrection. A mini Easter if you will. So when we gather together on Sunday morning, it's looking back at what just happened, the week that just happened, and saying, well, here's where God provided. And it's looking forward. And it's saying, yeah, we've got, we've got some challenges coming up. We've got some challenges coming up, but you know what? God provided for us in the past, and I believe God's going to provide for us as we move forward. So on Sunday mornings, we're, we're really, I'd invite you to cut loose, to have some fun, to celebrate together. And because today is Celebration Sunday, and the week starts tomorrow, you have time this afternoon to think about what you might sacrifice this week. Maybe it's time, maybe it's finances, maybe it's comfort. But I'd encourage you to spend some time this afternoon thinking about what it might be. And then, when we return for worship next Sunday, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Will you pray with me? Holy God, may we draw near to you this Lenten season. God, we ask that you would Meet us in the wilderness. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.